This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, spot quiz. Who is eight shot blocks away from tying and nine shot blocks away from capturing the most shot block record in the NHL? His name is Mark Giordano. Number one, by the way, is Chris Russell. He blocked uh, 2,044 shots. Mark Giordano has blocked 2,036 shots. We sat down, Elliot and I did, with Mark Giordano yesterday. Uh, I talked about a number of things. Sort of went all through the career at various touch points, stops along the way. Uh, tonight, the Toronto Maple Leafs face off against the Chicago Blackhawks, Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey, of course. Um, There's a pretty sizable chunk we want to play here for you, so I want to get right to it and not... And flower this up with my language here. So this is me and Elliot yesterday at the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs practice facility at the Ford in conversation with Mark Giordano of the Maple Leafs. Hope you enjoy. Okay. Seattle, did you know you were going to be a Leaf? Like, did you have an idea? So leading up to the deadline, I had an idea, obviously, but there's my agent kept telling me that, you know, there's three or four teams in the mix. I think it was, uh, you know, the Rangers, Carolina, Teams like I Toronto. Heard Carolina. Yeah. yeah. And uh I mean, I, you just don't believe it till it happens. But I was like, man, like it would be a pretty good fit. I looked at uh I think Muzz was hurt at the time. I mm-hmm. think they had a, like a couple openings on the left side. And I'm like, it would be a great fit. And then for me personally, obviously the transition couldn't be any easier, like compared to the other teams. So uh, I was pretty excited. And then when I got the call, uh, Ron Francis called me in, and uh, I was in the dressing room actually working out, and he, he came down, and he's like, if there's one place uh, you'd want to get traded, where would it be to? And I'm like, well, Toronto would be nice. <laughs> and he's like, I, I traded you to Toronto. So it was, so he's already done it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think Ron Francis had that kind of sense of humor. I think he kind of knew that I, I it was one of my preferred uh, teams. But, uh, yeah, it was it was a great day, and... And then, you know, the family gets catches wind and there was uh, everyone was excited. Like some players I know there who are from here, they're afraid to play here. They're worried about distractions. They're worried about, you know, the pressure of playing in the hometown. I was thinking, you know, you were post-35 at that time. Yeah. None of that stuff must have worried you. No, I, I mean, I, yeah, I think the point that I am at in my career, right, and, and uh, I mean, I could see as a young guy coming in here, there's a lot of pressure in being from here, but... Uh, for me, it's like uh, it's exciting. It's like a celebration to play for the Leafs. You know what I mean? It's a it's a big deal. We were all Leaf fans uh, growing up, and there's those stressful moments anywhere you play. Like Calgary was stressful too at certain times, but I just I enjoy playing here, play hard, and I think uh, I've gained a real appreciation for the fan base here too because they appreciate guys who go out there and play play hard. You had you, you've won a Norris Trophy, so you've had great years. But I was talking to somebody about you saying we're going to interview you today. And he said to me that uh, Giordano's had points in his career where he's played better, but I don't know if he's ever had a point in his career where it was more important for him to play as well as he did at the beginning of this season. Like, everybody was going down around you. And you stepped up, and, you know, he called it, considering at what point you are in your career, some of the best hockey you've played. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I feel really good this year. I feel like the last few years were up and down, bump, little bumpy at times, but I feel um, feel really confident in my game again. I feel like, for me, games are always judged. Like A lot of people judge games, and you guys know this, based on goals and assists yes. and points. And I think for me, I realized 
fairly quickly here what kind of decor we have and what kind of offensive guys we have. And I'm going to be more in a shutdown defensive role, penalty kill role, which I'm really enjoying and I really try to embrace it and uh, uh, feel really good. I, I feel physically as, as well as I have in, in years. I mean, not to say that I didn't feel good physically, but I mean, I have yep. that jump. I feel like I have jump and, and uh, reading plays the way, the way I can, so I feel really good. Uh, I want to ask you about a record that's on the horizon. It's, uh, it's wonderful that you say that you're feeling good, and what I think makes that more impressive is how many times you've blocked a shot. <laughs> you're going to set the record. Oh, really? You're going to set the record. That's on the horizon. Was you're it only... like eight away from Chris Russell? Yeah. For, my buddy Russ, I'm going to take over his record. <laughs> you're, you're, you're taking over. Do you have a thought on that? Like, I know that there's certain bench, right? We've talked a lot about the Norris Trophy and boxes that you check along the way. My first this, my first that, my yeah. first trophy, et cetera. For a record like that, I mean, that is, there's no school for blocking shots. Yeah. Like, there are ways you can learn and techniques, and but, I mean, a lot of it is Yeah, a, lot, guts, of it's, a right? lot of it's guts. Yeah, a lot of it's having the will to do it. I think playing on the penalty kill most of my career, you obviously have to block. If you're a defenseman and you don't block shots on the penalty kill, it's going in your net a lot because of the shooters we have in the game, uh, especially coming in off the half walls. So, no, I take a lot of pride in it. Uh, it's something I've always, you know, felt like if the block's there, I'm going to take it. Sometimes you can get into trouble. you gotta, you got to be aware of screening your goalie and stuff like that. But I've always, always enjoyed it. You know, there's thoughts too. You don't want to be blocking too many five on five because that means you're in your zone a lot. But uh, yeah, on the penalty right. kill and stuff yeah. like that, and especially in desperation times, like when you know those those moments where it's you either block it or it's in your net. I, I really think it's important. Whose shot were you scared of? Oh, uh, uh, Shea Weber's for sure. And Sheldon Surrey comes to mind too, and I, I his was scary because I could never read where it was going off his blade. And most guys, like if they pull it or drag it a bit, even slappers, like most of the time you have a you can be aware of which side of your body it's going on. Surrey had no clue. Did he know where it was going, or was I don't, he? I don't think so. That's what made it so effective, right? If you don't know it's going in, but and it was extremely heavy, and of course Weber's is extremely uh, extremely heavy, but. Uh, the thing that saved me is I play left, and he usually loads it up from the other side. So uh, the right deal, eat those ones. Well, so will Chris Russell be getting a text, like, move I'll over? Text, I'll text him now that you guys told me that I'm coming for you. Um, you know, I spoke to someone last night who said, if there was a Selkie trophy for defensemen, you'd be in the conversation every single season. Oh, that's cool. What is the uh, the part of your game that you take the most pride in? Oh, for sure, shutting down other teams best players I think that's uh some I've always like night in and night out you look at the lineups you look at who you're probably going to get matched up against and I think it's important to, to always try and win your matchup and uh you know I think that's part of this year when you know you see Broads and Moe and Muzz go down I mean it's important for guys like me and Holler and and the young guys who really stepped up like you better shut down these top guys on other teams or they're going to beat you and uh Take a lot of pride in that. Take a lot of pride in my defensive side of the game. It's always fun to play offense. I'm not going to lie. And, and But, you know, sort of as you get older and you realize uh, you're on a team like we are with guys like Riley, guys like Sandy, and guys like Lilligren, you almost have to say, listen, like, it's their time to play on the power play and step up and play those minutes and get those minutes for the team. So I'm excited now to, to be looked at as a <laughs> shutdown D-man if I can later in my career. I wonder how many guys come up to you and ask you for advice. 
Like, just because you've been around, like, like how many of those guys say to you, what do you think about this, or how do I handle this? Yeah, they do. I, like, a bunch of the young guys on our team do. And they're, what uh, do they ask you? Like, just an example, like, I was talking to Connor Timmins about, uh, he was asking me about playing guys one-on-one -on -one out of the corners and how to play, and I... You know, I was explaining to him, uh, you know, when you're young, the tendency is to run and try and pin a guy in the corner because that's what the coaches are telling you, close quick, close quick. And I said, you know, you better be aware who you're against because if you're against Sid or if you're against McDavid, they're waiting for you to run and they'll spin you and beat you and it's either a penalty or a goal against. So mm -hmm. little things like that. For me, watching young guys, what I, I was taught, like Mike Stuthers and, and uh, Owen Sound, yeah. He was huge on stick position and, and body position. And, like, for me, the one thing young guys can learn the most, at coming in, everyone's so skilled now and can skate and can move, is, like, stick position and how much your stick can help you dictate where you want the guy to go. So little things like that I'll try and help. And then uh, other than that, just trying to make sure guys have confidence, right? That's the mm -hmm. number one thing. Try and pump them up when they do some some really well. And, uh uh, not beat up on them too much when it goes the other way. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, at the beginning of this year, this, the year started poorly. It was a total loony bin in the city. And I know, I remember the media, so I'm as much as responsible for everyone yeah. as anyone. But, like, I wonder, like, how much you help those guys kind of just get through it. Like, this is not going to last. Like, we just got to play. Like, how much do you do that? Yeah, it was important at the start of the year because it's like, it's like that every year. Like, you lose the first game of the season, it's like, holy cow, like, we're not going to make playoffs. And it's like, well, we got 81 left. So it's like that in every team I've played for, every city. But, yeah, I think we have a pretty good group and a pretty good sense of that. Like, we knew we were going to be a good team. You know, I'm not going to lie, after game eight or nine, we were kind of like, okay, boys, it's time to go now. But uh, um, I just think it was about really simplifying and starting to play the right way. We were mm -hmm. sort of up and down, back and forth, and, it was on, you know, guys like John, obviously, are, are the leader, and then myself and Mo and those guys to, like, really make sure, like, there's a lot of noise. We're okay, though. Okay. Um, how much longer do you think you're going to play? Um, I think that question depends a lot on uh, <laughs> if we win the Stanley Cup, it'll... it'll uh, mm. It'll change my maybe my mind, but I'm going to go as, as long as I possibly can. So I think looking at it today, I got definitely another year after this, obviously, yes. with my contract. But uh, I think I, I'd like to go beyond that now, th thinking about it today. Like you could. Like, yeah. you at, like you're in great shape. You're still playing well. Yeah. Your team respects you. Like you, you could play for a while. As long as my skating can keep up and I can keep that uh, level of speed that I need to obviously – keep up with these young guys flying around, I think I can read the game well enough where I can go for a few more years. The guy behind us on the wall played till he was 52. <laughs> like, you know, like... Yeah. I was pretty good. I always remember looking at Chelly, too, on the bench. <laughs> when Chelios was on the bench, and I'm like, wow, I don't know how that guy's going to... How that guy's playing so late, but... Uh... Yeah, I'll go. I'll go for a few more years for sure. But if you win the cup, you have a decision to make. You think? I do. I think. I think that'll be. You know, if we win it, that'll be. That'll be decision time as well. If I'm going to keep going or if I'm going <laughs> to call it at that point. But uh, yeah, so it might be. It might be shorter. A lot shorter, <laughs> hopefully than. Uh, I don't know. Then you win it, and then you, there's another side of you that's like, okay, I want another. I want. Another, I want this feeling again. Again. So what I'm saying is that's the only thing that'll change my mind that is going to make me stop. I think I, I think for sure I'm going to play this year out, obviously next year out, and then go from there. 
That's Mark Giordano of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Leafs in action tonight, 7 o'clock Eastern on Sportsnet on Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey. Pre-game gets underway at 6.30 Eastern. It is the Blackhawks and the Maple Leafs. And yes, Mark Giordano is chasing Chris Russell for the most shots blocked in a career. Um, a few things on Mark Giordano. He's, um, he's always been a walk-on. And by the way, you can hear that entire podcast at your favorite podcatcher. Go to sportsnet.ca. You can go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of it. He's uh, he's always been a walk-on. He uh, got to junior hockey late. He played uh, for the Owen Sound Attack uh, at 19 years old. As a matter of fact, I think he only played AAA hockey, I want to say one season, maybe two. Like it was pretty much double-A hockey all the way up. Uh, for Mark Giordano, and you know, on on the way, his plan was to go to college. It was either Ferris State or Lake Superior, where he was going to go. And then he got, you know, talked into um, joining the Owen Sound Attack. Mike Fudo would have been the general manager at that point who brought him in, um, but he didn't get there till he was 19 years old. So late to the OHL, quickly distinguished himself as one of the best players um, in the Ontario Hockey League, certainly on the Owen Sound attack, and then played his OA year uh, as well. Right, again, not drafted, a walk-on, Lowell Lock Monsters of the AHL. And what's interesting about this, so he joins Lowell coming off a junior career, and it's not just any American Hockey League season. He joins the Lowell Lock Monsters during the NHL lockout season. So Lowell at that point was the AHL affiliate for the Carolina Hurricanes, who later went on to win the Stanley Cup the season after. But you'll remember that year, the AHL was loaded with the 203 draft picks, right? Guys going down, whether it's Patrice Bergeron or Ryan Getzlaff and Jeff Carter and Mike Richard. Lowell had Cam Ward. Lowell had Eric Stahl, like really good young players. Ottawa would have sent um, Jason Spezza down to the American Hockey League as well. Like that was one of the strongest seasons for the American Hockey League in the AHL's history. That's where Mark Giordano made his debut in pro hockey. It's with the Lowell Lock Monsters in the most difficult season. And by Christmas, all the guys on his team are saying, um... He's kind of like, we didn't know anything about him when he joined the team because he's a walk-on, but he's kind of the best player here. He's kind of the best defenseman by Christmas. Calgary signs him. Omaha Axar Ben Knights, former AHL affiliate. I always love that. Axar Ben, who, by the way, that name is Nebraska backwards. The Omaha Axar Ben Knights. And then in, in a really unique twist as well, and up until this point, we'd never seen this before. Contract dispute with the Calgary Flames. He ends up going to the KHL to play a season and comes back better. I made this point during the podcast. He may have been the first player in the history of North American pro hockey to go play in Russia and come back a better player because of it. Anyway, you can hear that podcast on uh, today's edition of 32 Thoughts, the pod, the full video is available on Friday. Hour two is coming up. Oh, the Kings re-signed Mikey Anderson. Those details in moments along with Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. Merrick Show continues. Sportsnet Radio Network simulcast on Sportsnet 360. Keep it here. Covering the Raptors in depth like no one else. The Raptors Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, so a couple of things here to clean up from uh, from a couple of days ago. Um, oh, actually, first, before we get to the random player of the day, our Rob sent in this one. Any story behind the Cleveland Crusaders logo behind you? My dad's first ever WHA game t- uh, to watch the Oilers. Oilers versus Crusaders. Also, for some reason, I'm fascinated by the Richfield Coliseum story. Yes, yeah, so am I. Uh, Cleveland Crusaders, if you're watching on 360. Um, this was given to me by a dear friend of mine. Works with us at Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, works with us at Sportsnet. Works with a number of other NHL teams. One of the leading researchers uh, in hockey. His name is Stan Narodka. Stan used to write the uh, run the... Uh, uh, the comms division for um, the uh, American Hockey League affiliate for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And we're both huge WHA fans, and he's got all kinds of great WHA swag, shirts, hats, uh, stickers on his briefcase, for example. And a little while ago, he brought this in to Hockey Night in Canada and said, here you go, I see you're putting stuff on the shelves behind you. Can we find safe haven for the Cleveland Crusaders logo? And yes, Stan, we can. So it's right behind me there. Um, for random player of the day, a couple of days ago was Zarly Zalapsky. Thank you, Rob, for that one. Uh, Zarly Zalapsky follow-up. Uh, Tony Sescon says, Hey, Jeff, I lived in Pittsburgh during the 88-89 season and fondly recall that whenever Zarly would score on a bomb from the point, he could fire it too, man. Zalapsky was good. Mike Lang would call it a Zalap shot. I always think of that when I hear the name Zarly Zalapsky. Cheers. Tony, thanks for that. Um, Ryan Prosiviet. I hope I got that right, Ryan. I apologize if I didn't. Uh, hey, Jeff, after his playing days in Calgary... Zarly Zalapsky took a job selling water purification systems door-to-door and appeared one day at mine. How cool is that? I didn't end up buying the system, but it was pretty cool to have a former NHLer in my house where we just got to chat about the good old days. Zarly Zalapsky shows up to sell water purification systems. I love it. Oh, my hockey heart. Um, random player of the daytime. Uh, Maddie, how are you, pal? I'm good, Jeff. I'm good. How are you? Uh, good. Yesterday I was held out for trade-related reasons. I was not on assignment, but I am back. Uh, we got a couple of minutes here for the player of the day. Oh, by the way, um, real quick, Alan Mitchell sent something along, uh, low tide at The Athletic, just about the idea of turning 40-goal scores into 50-goal scores, etc. He brings up the point, uh, hey, Merrick, that's exactly what Punch Imlac did with Gilbert Perrault and the French connection line. Bingo. He even built a second line to do the checking. Don Luce was a center with Craig Ramsey and Danny Gare. Among them, Gare would later go on to score 56 goals. Thank you for that, Alan. Sorry, random player of the day, Matt. I want to get all that in. Uh, it's Lou Franceschetti, uh, former Capital, former Maple Leaf, former Buffalo Sabre. Um, this one's sent in by uh-huh. Dan Fernandez, and um, he's actually my uncle's cousin. So there you go. He's your uncle's cousin, and I know your dad, who does sports talk radio, has had Lou on a number of times as well. You left out one team, though, Maddie. Yes, the Toronto Planets. You left Planets. out one of Lou Franceschetti's teams. All right, while we're doing show and tell, this is uh, right behind me as well, nestled uh, right behind or beside the Cleveland Crusaders logo. This is my Toronto Planets hat, as given to me by a dear friend by the name of John Whaley. Um, who's been in the industry forever, used to watch Whaley on BT once upon a time doing sports. Um, The Toronto Planets, I never missed a game at Varsity Arena. They played 14 games. I think I saw all seven that were at Varsity. Um, So he played roller hockey as well. James Richmond was on that team. 
who's now the head coach and general manager of the uh, OHL's Mississauga Steelheads. Dan Dau, former NHLer, was on that team, and Manny Legacy was the goalie as well. Here's what I remember about Lou Franceschetti. He could do a little bit of everything. Uh, patrol the wing, had a decent shot, was a hard worker, as you mentioned, fifth-round draft pick of the Washington Capitals. Um, won a Calder Cup with the Hershey Bears in 1980 and then made it to the NHL and didn't look back for 10 years. And the thing about Lou was he was never the biggest dog in the fight, but he was always willing. Like, he was a middleweight that stepped out to fight heavyweights. It always didn't end well. Like, there was a, an incident when he was playing with the Washington Capitals where Dave Richter, when he was playing with Vancouver, just flat-out KO'd him. But Lou always answered the bell. And Richter, by the way, was really an underrated scrapper from uh, from back in the day. But if you if you look at the guys that Lou Franceschetti took on, you say to yourself, what is he thinking? And what he was thinking is, I don't care if I'm the small guy in this fight, I'm still going to go for it. He fought Marty McSorley. He fought Dave Brown, which is terrifying because it's whether it's the uh, the tight jersey around the shoulders, which always gave Dave the advantage, or the uh, the knuckle buster Cooper helmets that Dave Brown used to wear, and that's what the guys would call it, the knuckle buster, because it's one of those Cooper helmets. Was it the SK? It was the SK two thousand that if you hit it, it would like literally bust up your knuckles. He fought Sean Cronin, he fought Shane Churla a couple of times, and he fought Basil McRae. And for my money. He was part of maybe the most entertaining Toronto Maple Leafs team of all time. The Maple Leafs of 1989-90 were not very good, but there were some great moments. They were a 500 team, but all the games were like 9-8 or 7-6. Gary Lehman that year scored 51, the second Maple Leaf to score 50 goals. Um, Lou Franceschetti that year had 20 goals. Doug Carpenter coached the team. It's just like, open the gate and go, boys. But tough team. Lou Franceschetti, 127 penalty minutes. Brian Curran, 301. And the late John Cordick with 252. Lou Franceschetti. Great memories of Sweet Lou. And any chance to get to talk about RHI, I will. Uh, the credits. Thank you to camera operator Jen Rolnick for making the show look good. Technical operator Lance Kennedy makes the show sound good. Maddie delivers the guests and the production. Thank you, Matt Marchese. Thanks, Elliot Friedman, Greg Wyshynski of ESPN. And played a clip from the Mark Giordano interview from the 32 Thoughts podcast. The video of that, and we shot it at the NHL Alumni Association's office yesterday, um, will be available on Friday, but the full interview is available right now audio-wise on the 32 Thoughts podcast. Again, you want to get your random player of the day in, JM Show at sportsnet.ca. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We're back tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your day.